funny, like the, the way you guys talk about how you first started hanging out reminded me a lot of what it's like to like ask somebody to play music. Where you're oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you into? Yeah. Like, Total like asking uh, someone on a date. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like the question was like, do you like to like uh, make stuff? And I was like, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the fucking Metaverse, our podcast. I'm uh, Greg Solano, a.k.a. Gargamel. I'm here with my co-founders. Wiley Arnau, a.k.a. Gordon Goner. And Karam Adelaide, a.k.a. Emperor Tomato Ketchup. And uh, yeah, we're the co-founders of Yuga Labs, um, the creators of Board Ape Yacht Club. And we're so stoked to be here today with uh, Matt and John, the founders of Larva Labs, the creators of CryptoPunks, Autoglyphs, and Mebits. Thanks thanks for coming on the show, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Yeah, this is great. Matt Paul, a.k.a. Matt Paul. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm John. I'm Hawkinson. We're so excited to have you guys. And I think this is uh, when we first uh, came up with the idea to do this podcast. You guys are the first people on our list of like dream guests. Um, and obviously we've been, you know, enormous fans of you guys, um, ever since we entered into the crypto space, basically. So it's, it's real an honor, honor to have you guys here. So let's start at the very beginning. Where'd you guys meet? Um, so we met at uh, college in, at the university of Toronto, uh, computer science. Um, we're in some of the same classes, didn't really know each other. And the story of the first time John met me, but I didn't meet him. It was a one way meeting was, a I think it was a math class. Yeah. yeah and, um, you know, class over, everybody, you know, leaves. John's sitting with a couple of his friends talking. They just, you know, and kind of, you know, five, 10 minutes go by and it's just them in the class now. And they look down and there's one dude asleep, like on the third row. And that was me. And uh, it was <laughs> like. The class is completely abandoned. I was, yeah, I was just sort of shooting the breeze with a couple of friends of mine. And then we, we were about to walk out and, you know, there's no other class in this classroom and everything. I, just look, I see someone just dead asleep. And I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm going to start a company with that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like that. This look, is the kind of guy. Yeah. Just look 20 years in your future and uh, that sleeping dude. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Matt was not maybe the best student. And so nope. like. Yeah, I remember another class um, and I was a little more studious and uh, I was in this, it was like the day of the midterm or something. And then all of a sudden Matt walked in and I'm like, I've never seen this guy. And it's not a big class. It's only about 30 people. And he walks in and then you sit down beside me and then you just sort of lean over and you're like, today's the midterm, right? Like, like, this is the first class this guy's showing up to. He only showed up to write the exam. But yeah, uh, that's literally like I have nightmares about that very yeah, scenario. Right. And you Missing them. Yeah. Proudly, yeah. It seems. Yeah. I've done. Yeah. People who are like good at school. I've lived all their nightmares. You maybe knew each other to say, hey, and that was it. Because like I said, it was pretty rare to catch Matt in a classroom. And um, but then right at the end, um, you know, we we were just like, I think we were in like gr- in a group together working on some stuff. And then we definitely like really cracked each other up. Like, it was, you know, we got along really well. But then even that, that was over and we graduated and I was doing a master's degree and Matt was just working in Toronto and then we bumped into each other on the street and it was a little bit like asking him out on a date. I was like, <laughs> do you like to, you know, like work on stuff like with computers? You know, like, like I just got the sense that Matt was into, you know, we wanted to do kind of interesting, cool experimental stuff. And then sure enough, he was like, oh yeah, like, I, you know, I'm into this and that. And so we right away after that meeting, we established sort of this weekly 
like kind of hangout where we would just try to work on stuff. We, we had this like Linux server that was like we had bought it from a company that went out of business for like yeah. $50. And we just sort of just, yeah, we were trying to like make web servers work. And I remember I would, I would take the bus to your place in Toronto and, and then that bus stopped running at night. And, but then I, and I, we would just work all night on stuff and I would take the bus back um, on like the first bus the next morning at like six in the morning because we would just get into stuff and work on things. And uh, yeah, I've, that's where we really learned web basically was just at your apartment, just trying stuff on that, on that Linux server. Were you guys working day jobs while you were starting? I was still doing my master's degree and Matt was working a day job. Yeah. 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 Was there um, like an artistic or creative element to what you guys were working on at the time? There was in that, yeah, like um, I had made a game that was kind of an early, I guess you'd say kind of an early internet game. Like it was a very simple kind of strategy game, but you played online um, in uh, in real time. Um, and it, But it was just like kind of numbers and symbols. It was kind of like a risk-like game, but in real time, kind of moving your armies around. It was spaceships or whatever. And, um, but it was really basic. I just kind of gotten it working at all. And then Matt and I did a lot of stuff to kind of build on that. And we had a whole website that hosted like stats for different players and everything. We had like a chess style ranking system. So it was like creative work, um, certainly. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, that game, which was called Intergalactics, uh, that was sort of our test bed for almost everything. Like yeah. Everything we wanted to experiment with. It's like, well, let's do it with Intergalactics. Yeah. Everything. And that was like really early internet. So it was crazy even that like remember we like found out that there was a bunch of germans playing it in the middle of the night our our night their day and we we're like they find out about it like how are they like we didn't even know you know yeah because we had a website up but there was a lot of steps like you couldn't it wasn't like a web game and so we had a few friends you know on the college campus who played and i just kind of thought that was it and then but then we had like we were like oh we should add logging and so then all of a sudden it's like oh wait there's this whole crew logging on and i don't know how they found out about it and there was like germans and estonians all these like kind of eastern european players so i stayed up all night one night and, and played against them and they just completely waxed me like they were <laughs> yeah. insane yeah, they were awesome yeah they had like because so there was more of them than us so they had like developed oh. like further strategy um, I still kind of want to come back to that game because I think it would be actually a really good machine learning like um, test bed because it was a very like it was all about like feints and like tricks. You know, you you kind of hid where your power was until you like pounce and everything. And so it'd be fun to like like and back then we actually had a little robot API where you could you could code up robot players. That was another one of the experiments that we were doing. But. The, there was no technology to make those players actually good. Like you could always destroy them. They were just in there kind of for, as fodder in the game. Yeah, they were so lame. There was one called the Grudge Bot, and he would just sit there and just do his own thing. But if you attacked him, then he would be your enemy for the rest of the game. So everyone would just be like <laughs> trying to stay away from him. And then <laughs> but that's, would, that's exactly what playing Risk with certain friends was like. Yeah. It's just like this person, like this, you're not going to win. You're just making sure I lose because yeah, I like, took such a, a miserable guy. game. Like yeah. nobody has a good, even the person who wins has destroyed so many relationships doing so that it's just like, there's no winners in that game. Everybody's like, we're down four hours and everyone's mad. Risk is my favorite game. Is it really? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Well, speaking of gaming, I mean, do you guys have backgrounds as gamers? You see, somewhat. I mean, that's yeah. what got me into computers, like, way, way back, like, was, you know, seeing arcade games and, you know, then when they were at home, 2600, that kind of stuff. There was mm -hmm. a kid in my class named Gary who had a 2600, and I went to his birthday party, and I was like holy shit like what is this thing you know and then i at school i was like gary like i didn't know gary that well 
Gary, what are you doing after school? I don't know. Like, well, I'm coming to your house. Like, <laughs> and I didn't tell my parents and I just went to Gary's house and played 2600 until they called my parents and they were like, yeah, we're really worried. <laughs> His kids in second grade. What was he doing? Um, but yeah, that's what really got. Uh, and then back then, you know, you'd run out of games to play and it would all come with like, you know, basic or some language and you'd just be like, well, I guess I'm going to try to yeah, make, make, make a game, make a game you yeah. know, and the games were so bad that it was seemed plausible, you know, like I was wondered, like if you came up, you know, sort of like grew up playing on a console, like how the hell are you supposed to like, there's no relationship between what you could do and what you were playing mm -hmm. versus Space Invaders. You're like, yeah, I might be able to do that. You know, I've always wanted to ask you guys, where did Larva come from? <laughs> yeah, I think it was just kind of a joke name. Like we, there, we formed a company uh, when we started working on this uh, phone smartphone called the sidekick which is sort of pre-date oh yeah. yeah i remember the sidekick, I remember the sidekick. that was yeah. big in middle school yeah 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 and uh it, you know screen flips up for people who don't know it it was pretty much the best smartphone of its era it had all this stuff that people take for granted now like really great networking it had an app store with like integrated billing so we we found out about this phone and started writing apps for it um, but at the time we had no website it didn't really matter it was all run by that so we were like we just need a name to you know get the checks yeah. for the royalties and like you say it was a, it skewed pretty young this phone you know it was like like teen pre-teen yep. market and we were making kind of silly stuff so it's like oh we just need a fun like skewing young name and so it's funny how it's become our identity like <laughs> yeah you know and we had some people who were maybe like for a while we were sort of like doing consulting work to sort of give us the freedom to keep working on other ideas and uh some friends of ours who were kind of better at that like we're like you gotta change your name man like people aren't gonna go to their boss and say like i want to hire larva labs like, like <laughs> what the hell are you doing like and so we, we were know like, the perils of silly names all yeah. too well yeah. <laughs> yeah so we were considering changing it and then everything went crazy we're like well i guess that's our name now i guess we're yeah. gonna stick with that so what was it, the point where you were able to quit your job and focus full-time on larva well, that was 2005 okay. and we were, then I was, you know, we were basically full-time, you know, larva from there on out, but it just looked different from year to year. Like we were completely independent on royalties from the sidekick at first, which was incredible because we just wrote all our crazy ideas and then we just got checks, like royalty checks. What like, was your biggest success on, on the sidekick? Like what was the app yeah. that was paying you guys? Well, weirdly that our most successful app financially was like the least interesting it was just basically <laughs> yeah. like a screen marquee thing like they call it a key guard you know or yeah. whatever but it was just like a basically a background animation before you unlocked your phone and so like it was yeah it's like oh that's that's our biggest hit <laughs> yeah, yeah that's funny what else do we, yeah we just made a t like games uh just kind of anything like i think it was 40 we made 40 was that sort of or, the number yeah, we figured out we yeah 40 apps yeah Sounds we just went nuts yeah and because it was early mobile like i, I feel like there was a lot of stuff we did which eventually you know someone else turned into a huge company on the major platforms like we had like a photo filters app that had like you know like oh classic uh you know polaroid filters and it's like oh that turned out to be a pretty good <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, not one for us but for someone else and uh we yeah. were talking the way over here about maybe our weirdest app um that you, you could never do anymore you know like the early android it was like a you know, really like a like a thinly disguised Linux computer, you know, in your pants pocket. But uh, <laughs> it was just kind of crazy. You could just do anything as a developer. It's like we just have complete control over this thing. So we wrote an, an app called App Chat and it was uh, it was an app that made like scanned every app you had installed. And then like you were in a chat room for for every app with just everyone else 
who uses that app, you know? And so it was, it was so crazy. It was like yeah. a little shortcut that you just like jump into a chat yeah. for the app you were in, you know? And, and we had a little like transparent overlay at all times on the phone. You could do that. You can just completely take over the screen and just be like, this is our stuff now over top of every other app, you know, like built-in apps, terrifying. like God. Gmail. Yeah. yeah. Like what? We knew everything about people who installed that app. And it, at the time, we didn't care. Like we weren't doing anything nefarious. But then later we realized like, yeah. oh, that's a, such a bad idea. Yeah. So much yeah, power. In every app, app yeah. installed. <laughs> when you use it, what, yeah. how long you use it for. Like, yeah, uh, what your phone is like. Everything. How many yeah. users did you guys have for this? Uh, I, mean, I think it was tens of thousands. It's kind of crazy. Like the crazy things were like people would chat in the contacts app. Like anybody got any good contacts? And then someone would just like post like a like a the phone number for their friend or something. Oh my god! Like, yeah, it would be the calculator app. I'm like, what's everybody calculating? Like just trying. <laughs> yeah, this just like seems insane to me for so many reasons. Like security, privacy, sort of considerations oh, yeah. aside. But then also it's like, like the next step that other people obviously like went to, went to with this kind of thing was like, how the fuck do we monetize all of this data? You yeah, guys were just like, yeah. oh, this. Look what they're talking about. This is funny. This is cool. Yeah. I don't know if you remember idea. this too. There was like, uh, because every app had a chat, the app chat app had a chat weird, like accidentally, like sort of recursively. So people were talking and posting screenshots that were like, you know, when you point a camera at the, at the TV, like recursive, yeah. like it's the original metaverse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's segue into using Discord <laughs> just for a moment. Yeah. Where did you guys first get into crypto? It was really for CryptoPunks, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. we knew about Bitcoin. We had read the stuff and we're like, oh, this is really cool. Like this feels novel and new and I haven't seen anything like this before. Um, but then as like people, as developer developers, really, we were like, but I don't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, I think you bought one and then you sold it. And I was like, well, I guess that's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like just as speculators, it wasn't, that wasn't really our personality. Um, so we, and it was interesting technically. I remember reading the white paper and everything, but it wasn't until we sort of, you know, we kind of back and we'll tell you the story, but we sort of backed into like, oh, wait, Ethereum is, I didn't know it could do all this and this is the right tool. And that, that's so really it was only because we had a use case that we came to blockchain, not like we were in blockchain and being like, mm -hmm. what do we do with it? You know, it was like, oh, yeah. this is actually what this would be great for, you know, and, uh, and yeah. felt like that novel thing that we, that seems so like interesting about Bitcoin was there too. And it offered something that was, we felt like there was no other way to produce it. Like it was a new technology, but also a new feeling like a, you yeah. know, it was a thing that we didn't know how to replicate elsewhere. So that gets us interested. What would you say was like kind of the key ingredient there? Like the, the specific aspect of Bitcoin, subsequently Ethereum, that was like exciting about this with respect to CryptoPunks. Like yeah. why, why couldn't you have just done this as like, I'm buying this on a yeah. centralized server or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that was, you know, that's what we had been thinking about for about at least six months was collectibles. You know, we had like, yeah, my nieces and your daughter, like they were in that age where they were kind of into collecting. There was like little toys, you know, that were all kind of, you know, small multiples kind of like, oh, they're all the same, but a little different. They like collecting them. And we were sort of thinking like, could there be a digital version of that? You know, that's actually compelling. Like there's stuff like that out there, but. It's like, how would this actually be cool digital? And we were originally just thinking about kids. Like, what it's like, how would you make an app that, that kids would enjoy collecting stuff on and everything? And we had a few ideas around that. But the whole time we were just sort of like, it doesn't really feel like you own it, though. You know what I mean? Like, like I, and I don't know how, like, just having, like, a record on a company's server is ever going to do that, you know? And, uh, yeah. and then I think you sort of started looking into the blockchain stuff and started to realize that 
that could work. You know? Yeah. And I think it felt like, like I collected hockey cards when I was a kid and, uh, but I got burnt because like the eighties, they overprinted. Oh yeah. And I didn't know that, you know, and I thought like, oh man, I've got this card and it's going to be great. And I kept it, you know, and then later it was like, oh, it's all worthless. You know, like they just, I, I didn't know the supply was essentially unlimited, you know? So that's something where like this felt like, oh, everyone can see that. I don't have, you don't have to trust me to not put an extra zero in the database tomorrow and make the set 10 times as big. Like you can just see it there. So that felt um, different. And I think also just even the notion of like, um, there's the notion of like permanence to this that is very hard to achieve with digital things. Like everything, like everything we've been talking about that we've made previously is sort of hard to see now. It's gone. Like even we got to a certain point in our careers and we're like, you know, if you write books or you do whatever, you can see them on your shelves. And we were like, where, where is all this stuff we've made? It's like all just fit, you know, it fades. So, yeah. um, this sort of, uh, this system, you know, this blockchain thing seemed to provide that, a, a sort of digital permanence, which felt new as well. So it's, yeah. it's exciting and also scary for a number of reasons that I know, you know, the, the one part or the, the original punks yeah. contract, obviously you guys had to sort of work around. Yeah. We had a real, right obviously, yeah. Trial by fire, uh, yeah. in, in terms of actually doing this stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And when we first started to kind of poke around blockchain, we looked at, you know, what was out there and there was the rare pe Pepe stuff, which was yeah. using Bitcoin and counterparty Yeah. that, and that, that just seemed like from a just user point of view, it was like, this is way too complicated. You know, there's like all these steps involved and then it's not really tightly coupled you know like you can't it's just like someone just kind of said oh we made a coin and that's this image sort of and and so we were like that's not quite right and then yeah i think then you you were just you were like wait this ethereum smart contract stuff and then it, mm -hmm. as soon as we started reading that we were just like oh yeah i mean yeah it was like this is it this is now we're just programming you know like you can just write code in there and um yeah and i and i think i had just been for fun i mean i don't think i had any real aim i was pretty yeah. aimless about it but i had been working on um these this pixel art generator you know to make these kind of punk uh figures and um and or the, i don't even know how punky they were originally but then we sort of steered it yeah. in that direction once we sort of had an idea of like oh this will be kind of fun you know like like crypto's very punked right now and everything and like yeah this is this sort of feels right and certainly the idea still though was like this this will be a fun like two week two week experiment you know yeah. that, that was like it wasn't like this is our job now <laughs> far from it you know like we, just, we had a little gap between our contract work that paid the bills yeah. and we're like let's do this you know it'll be kind of and, and we kind of wanted to get into blockchain a little bit like it just seemed interesting especially like once we had i should say once we learned about ethereum we're like we should do something in this because maybe we want to do some contract work in this space you know like so that yeah because yeah so the collectible stuff got us into ethereum and then once we understood it we we're like this is actually really cool and i want to learn more about it so let's do this now this collectible as like a first experiment to uh you know just to learn it all yeah i've always uh, deeply admired the aesthetic choices that you guys made on the CryptoPunks collection it's it and part of the reason i like it is that if you were to like go to like 99 percent of people i think and we're like oh i'm gonna make CryptoPunks, and what would they look like it wouldn't have turned out even remotely uh in the vein of what you guys designed it as like you guys chose very like 70s and 80s punk rock style oh, yeah like it, it, it was like right out of like uh repo man and like mm -hmm. and the and even going back before then like that sort of like uh early 70s new york scene you know it's yes like, yeah and um which i love and obviously that, all of this was yeah. a huge inspiration for the board api club because we were like very much uh in line with that same aesthetic but uh yeah just yeah. just a beautifully designed collection i mean it really feels perfect Thanks. Yeah. And yeah, it just, yeah, it's, it's weird how it came together. Like, I, I think maybe my favorite 
thing about how the CryptoPunks look is, is those the four pixels that form an eye, you know, like they just are looking at you and they're giving you, you know, there's an attitude. It's like, how do those four pixels have an attitude? But they do, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. uh, so that really worked. Like when we did the art show um, and they were they were printed on the wall, you know, it was just so fun to be like, yeah, these these punks are like, you know, they're just staring everyone down, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, I, I really love that. Uh, so walk us through walk us through the release of CryptoPunks and and how, how everything went down there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think back now. Um, it's really like writing stuff for blockchain is nuts, you know, like it's a crazy process. And our whole th thinking around this was like, it has to be simple. It has to be like for this to really be the most powerful version of this kind of little experiment it needs to be understandable. So it's a fixed set size. You know how many there are. It's pretty easy to tell that we can't change that. Pretty easy to tell that we don't really have any control over it once it's released. You know, we can't like even like if you're going to be putting money into the contract and you want it to have. So as part of that, it's like, well, this is going to be a one and done release then, you know, like we'll just release it. But that's not really how software works um, generally, yeah. you know. And, so, and we were prototypers. That's that was our calling card. Like, we're, like, especially on Android, it's like we're the fastest Android developers that we've ever met. So to go from being like rapid prototypers to writing a smart contract, it's like, yeah, we, we were not ready. And that was the first uh, contract we had ever written. So it was like a bit yeah. of a, a jump in the deep end. Um, wasn't that simple. I mean, it was yeah, a lot of your the design decisions you made, though, ended up serving like they continue to serve as like sort of foundational principles of, of releasing an NFT project, like the idea of, you know, having a cap supply. Demonstrating that you can't game the distribution like you did with the hash, like a lot of these things have sort of like, you know, been modified somewhat, but like you, you kind of nailed it at, at the on your first try. It's kind of crazy. We should talk a little bit about that, because that was a real question, especially the ha the image hash thing. Yeah. The original idea was, um, oh, this will be great because the um, image data is fairly small. They're like, you know, small pixel characters. We can just we didn't know anything. We just like, we'll just load this all on the blockchain and it'll be great, you know. And then we didn't, you know, started finding out we like, oh, wait, it. this like so-called supercomputer is having a little trouble storing some bytes. Right. So. Um, so then that became like we tried to encode it into the contract and that was like going to be expensive and complicated and didn't really work. And then we ended up like and it's funny because like it's not really a technical decision. It is a little bit in that you want provability there. But um, but it's also an emotional decision. Like there was a, there was that was one of the big questions initially we had was like, does that feel like you own this little person if it's the connection is a hash? And if, because if it doesn't, then it's like, then it doesn't really work, you know, whether or not it's like, no, if you think about it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we didn't know if that would be, yeah, if, are we getting that right? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a leap here, you know, and we think it's cool and makes sense, but we don't know if people are going to accept it. Um, yeah. The other thing, of course, was the marketplace, you know, that there, because this was the first of it sort of, it's like, well, we need to provide a mechanism for them to actually be traded and everything. And uh, so, yeah, so all that got built in and that was, yeah, that was obviously the tricky stuff because a lot of the, the basic stuff was just taking ERC 20, you know, taking the fungible token and then just sort of generalizing it where now it's like, oh, now instead of just fungible tokens, there's an ID now here mm -hmm. and everything. And so a lot of that was fairly straightforward, but the market stuff was, was new territory. You know, we were kind of writing solidity from scratch there. And, and of course that's where things went a little awry. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, one thing that has always interested me about your, just your work in the space is that it is not financial in nature, which is sort of, it sort of deviates from the norm. I think a lot of people are drawn to crypto because they see it as this interesting sort of financial opportunity or, or whatever. This is like purely kind of like, this is an interesting technical 
creative opportunity. Um, but the marketplace, obviously, you integrated that into the initial version of punks. It's like been kind of a critical aspect of that. Obviously, did you did you guys anticipate that it would like explode the way that it did? Absolutely not. No, and we were even shocked by the initial response. You know, which was because there was. I mean, we'll t- yeah, we'll talk about the launch a little bit. There was a little delay before people got into it, but then even the initial response was kind of beyond what we had hoped, you know. And um, yeah, even that obviously that another I guess thing that in hindsight makes a lot of sense, but at the time we had no idea was the ten thousand number, right? Like why ten thousand? And at that time, we, you know, we wanted them to be kind of plentiful. You know, it's like it shouldn't feel like because we wanted there to be lots of kind of action and people trading, and so you should be able to have a few of these. Anyone who's interested. It's like, yeah, don't just claim one or just have one, like have a bunch and then you can start trading and having your favorite. Um, but kind of as soon as we launched, we were sort of like, what were we thinking? You know, 10,000 is way yeah, too big. Yeah, it's many, way you know? too big. Like, we, I think. The other <laughs> reason I guess 10,000 was we wanted there to be rare ones and, and we wanted that kind of full sort of scale of rarity, you know, yeah. where it's like, oh yeah, there's single digit, you know, numbers of aliens. And then, you know, sort of all the way down the scale to like, there's thousands of just regular human punks, you know, and, uh, and then the traits too are, you know, on some, on a rarity curve. So, uh, so we're like, yeah, we need a lot of, you know, we need a, like a lot for that. And we, and the idea was that, yeah, it'll, it'll always be cheap just to get a punk, you know, like that, at that, that time we were thinking that, you know, and, uh, but yeah, we immediately thought we'd blown it on the 10,000. Yeah. Cause the yeah. first week was really slow and it was like less than a thousand claimed i think and we were like oh, that was just dumb like it doesn't really work if you know they're not all claimed you know if there's just a bunch <laughs> yeah. that people don't even want so ten thousand was too many um and then that quickly changed like over a 24-hour period then everybody got them how, and did, then, how did you get word out because I mean, oh by the way we yeah. had a very similar story with bayc where that first week um, oh yeah you know it was only like pre-sale like 300 minted or whatever yeah um, and, and then one day it was just and then it all just goes this. right and yeah and i know in our case you know marketing is not our you know forte and so you know i know when we we posted it to like the ethereum subreddit which has never really been that busy or it's not really a center of ethereum uh discourse really and we just said like oh an experiment in digital ownership or something you know we had something like that and people have dug up that old post and it's, it's there still and you know yeah, and there was a handful of people commenting like, this is cool. I claimed some, you know, keep in mind too, we didn't even have the web three stuff yet. Like yeah. you had to just like log into your wallet in the terminal and yeah. run the commands. But then actually it was uh, someone for Mash- uh, Mashable, right? Was it Mashable? Yeah. yeah, they they wrote an article, you know, it said, this Ethereum project could, uh, what was the line? like Change the future of digital art. And we were like, whoa, I don't know about that. And yeah, then, right. Uh, and then that was it, like that, that sort of hit the ethereum thing and that's cool yeah and so then yeah it was that was like a friday night i think that we were just watching them just disappear in real time you know and and it kind of of course then it turned into a frenzy of people trying to get as many as they could now as a business you guys set up the value proposition that you would retain some of the punks for yourselves and that over time if they were to increase in value you would be able to sell them Mm -hmm. right how many did you initially hold back yeah we kept 10 percent, so a thousand uh mm-hmm. so yeah a decent amount and um yeah and that was the idea it's it, it, i mean yeah it was funny that like you say we weren't really coming at it from a business point of view but we had just enough sort of thought it's like well you never know like let's keep some right like why not you know and uh we you know it was important to us that once this contract was released we don't control it anymore and now we revert basically to a, a pe- person like everyone else like who has crypto yeah. books, you know so um and then we just are along for the ride like everybody else you know um yeah. that was the thinking at least 
I'd love to talk about the community in a bit, but um, can you talk a little bit about the bug and the initial contract? Yeah. Um, so, you know, so, yeah, so everything's claimed and there's a lot of excitement. And then the first few sales start happening. I think I sold the first CryptoPunk for like 50 cents or something like that. And then it quickly ramped up. And then like in that first night when everything claimed, an alien sold for like um, 10 ETH, which was about um, $3,000 at the time. Wow. ETH was about 300 bucks. And it's like, what is going on? Yeah. This is a this is crazy and amazing, you know. And um, but then, then all of a sudden it's like, wait, like we started to figure out like something's wrong here, like, and it, like we had a bug where when someone bought a CryptoPunk, the ETH went back to the buyer instead of the seller, and we're like, how can that be? And then we're looking, we're looking at our code, and honestly, like even just looking at the code, it just seemed completely fine. And then we had realized that our stupid testing code had like a matching bug that we just had accidentally like double checked mirrored the bug that when yeah. the, a buyer yeah. bought a CryptoPunk that that buyer got his or her ETH back, <laughs> so you know, dumb. like, you know, like normally that, you know, we would have been like, oh, you know, then that's, and that's, that's the thing about testing, right? It all it shows is that this model equals that model. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't say it's right. And it, so it was, I mean, it was. It was completely gutting because we had this thing that was working and seemed so cool. And then all of a sudden it just felt dead. And it's like, well, we can try to fix this, but is this, you know, this thing's having its like uh, 15 minutes of fame and now it's just completely on dry dock, you know, like it's like no, you know, no one can do anything. And then to make matters worse, so we did immediately start working on a new contract and move everything over and everything. But then this was during, this was really at this very moment was when like the ICO craze kicked in. And now we have to like run, you know, 10,000 transactions to like assign mm -hmm. everyone their appropriate punk because we knew who claimed everything. And so we wanted to unroll all the purchases. So everyone, you know, kind of got their punks back. And we and just felt like we got to fix this. Uh, we can't ask people to like do a bunch of stuff because this is already like such a such mm -hmm. a new concept. Like we just got to make it easy for everybody, you know, so we'll yeah. we'll take responsibility and just do it all. But Right when we had it ready, like just the Ethereum network just went nuts. You know, gas prices through the roof, like you could not get a transaction there. So that was like a further delay that it, and we weren't really good at, you know, now we, you know, all the stuff we've done now, we have all these kind of tools to like, that we use to manage gas and to get transactions through and everything, but we didn't have any of that. We were just sort of sitting in like a scripting environment, just trying to push these transactions through. So we really thought we had killed it. You know, it's like that. And was the bug reported? Front, like by somebody in the community or did you guys catch it I yourself think someone saw it first yeah yeah. Like, yeah that that i remember the sinking feeling moment when like hey i, I sold this punk and i didn't get the money and we're like i oh okay uh -huh. uh, yeah because even, even though like i had sold that one i didn't try to like withdraw the eth yeah. from the contract yet or anything so i didn't even know yeah and, and we were pretty like another weird blockchain thing is we were like one character away from just deleting the money, which just doesn't seem like, a, you know, a thing yeah. that I would have thought was possible before that. So at Sending least the people zero. got their money back. Yeah. yeah. We could just like, okay, everybody's got their money. We're going to fix this versus like we had sent it to zero, you know, sorry, everybody. Yeah. But it was amazing that once we relaunched it, not only did everyone kind of come back, but almost everyone replayed their sales including ones that were kind of obviously out of date now like i replayed my one dollar sale with whoever bought that and but everyone basically did that like it very like the the alien sale happened again the three thousand that you know that all got replayed immediately and then it was just yeah and then it was just sort of going you know we, we quickly added the web3 stuff so people could actually do stuff on the website um and uh and then yeah and that was yeah that was gratifying because we just thought oh yeah we you know we blew it <laughs> yeah 
how long was the how long between when the bug was surfaced and you guys actually got the new contract out like and, about, and what was the community response or like yeah. what was going on during that time i think it was almost two weeks even though our plan originally was like we're gonna yeah. we're gonna turn this around well first of all our like we were like we're gonna turn this around like two or three days and then we're like wait don't do that don't do it again you know like, again. like so I, we after we got it done it's like let okay we got it done we get the testing done now just start over and like re-audit it and write more tests and like you know go over line by line like we we had learned our uh, you know how to be paranoid and uh yeah so, so then it took i think almost a full week to run the transactions yeah that was a thing yeah so wow yeah um yeah just be yeah we really just had to kind of wait out that vat thing and mm -hmm. uh and the stakes were like relatively low at that point you know like they were yeah. punks were worth like almost nothing it was all new so yeah. people had their money back so they were just like waiting for it um, but like, as John said, we were going to reset it back to the, like, as if no transactions had occurred. So yeah. everybody was like, oh, you like you said, I'll honor my transaction. And we wondered if that would happen. And it did. So it was, yeah, that was cool. We can also talk about just like that early phase of it, you know, so after everything, um, uh, was claimed and then sales started, uh, yeah, very quickly a community formed around it, you know, and, and, you know, in hindsight, when we look at it and we, you know, we've sort of been in the startup world, know a lot of startup people. And, and one of the things you always hear people say in, in sort of startup culture is that it's more important to have a few people like love your product early on than to have a whole bunch of people say, oh, that's cool, you know, right. but not really be in. And CryptoPunks really had that, you know, like, and especially as things died down, you know, during crypto winter, it never lost this hardcore community who just were just having a great time, you know, like that discord. And yeah, like, it was just always you know entertainment in there and everyone knew each other in there it was a it was a cool community and uh and yeah there was people saying like oh god i spent too much time in here you know <laughs> like i'm in here all, all day i'm like staying up too late in the CryptoPunks chat so so yeah you could tell that something was working there even when it was really you know just a very skeleton crew of people because you know we were in this sort of crypto winter where there there had been a loss of interest in general in in crypto stuff and especially in kind of like new crypto tech or anything you know so um, but it was because we were sort of seeing that it's like, oh, there's people who are trying to kind of connect and communicate here. Um, but yeah, and it, it, it did kind of sneak up on us. Like we were obviously that, you know, the pandemic and everything, and we, we were busy doing other work and then it was just sort of, you know, every once in a while I'd be like, oh man, you know, there's a bunch of punk sales today or the, you know, the prices are kind of creeping up like as 2020 you know late 2020 especially it's like what's going on over there and then this is almost three years into it yeah too, right? right so it's like yeah. you're, you're kind of used to what it is you know like oh this might be what it is you know there's a, a group of people who are super into it but it's not growing crazily so yeah uh, and we were maintaining it just because we liked it you know like yeah. it wasn't making us any money we weren't selling any punks or anything and we were just uh it was just like yeah this is cool we like it and so, you know, it was almost like a chore that we would have to remember to do. It's like, oh, is everything okay with CryptoPunks? Like, let's check in, make sure everything's all right. Like, uh, sometimes, you know, the website would go down and we have to fix it and, you know, that kind of stuff. But it was just sort of like completely, you know, a side thing. But still, of course, yeah, it was worth it for us to keep it going. And then, yeah, all of a sudden as 2020, you know, the second half of 2020, it's like, oh, wait, like something's happening here. Were you guys... Um paying attention to what was happening in NFTs outside of the CryptoPunks? Uh, were you, you know, cognizant of CryptoKitties and, yeah. and much later Top Shots, but all the things that kind of occurred in between? And, and then I think, and then I'm curious if you um, guys were aware when Hashmask dropped, because that, mm -hmm. that was the moment for us yes. where we were like, holy fuck, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah, so 
you know, so we launched CryptoPunks in June of 2017. And then I think it was November or December of 2017 that CryptoKitties came out. Mm -hmm. And and then once again, we sort of like, well, that's it, you know, like because it had a pretty big so splash, huge, very yeah. successful. And it's like, it's like, yeah, this is going to wipe us off the map. Like no one's <laughs> even going to remember that we did this before them, you know, like it's like, Just this, like your these, feeling of being early to like Android and yeah, then it was kind of like, like that. that. And yeah. Also at the time we thought like we, we, we on like um, intentionally kept CryptoPunk simple. And then Kitties was so big that we were like, oh, it's too simple. Like punks are too simple. Like all you can do is buy or sell them. So it's not interesting enough. You need a, like some sort of mechanic, game mechanic there and way for them to be created. And then we did, uh, of course, we did Autoglyphs in 2019. So we were still sort of hanging around and actually, and then so what motivated that was, um, we gave a talk at Christie's in London. I, I don't, you know, we were somehow invited to that because like it was, like, and it was sort of like a art and blockchain or something. But which was weird because there, all the other artists were just kind of like making art about blockchain. You know, like it was kind of that. I don't know. Like I don't. I and so I remember like Jason Bailey, who you probably know who he is. He was on the panel. You were on the panel, and it was talking about NFTs, and everybody was basically already going home. Like, no, no one cared. But then we met this curator, uh, uh, Georg Bach uh, from Switzerland, who was putting on a, like a digital art show. And he was like, oh, I really want CryptoPunks to be in this show. So that's when we made, you've probably seen them before, like the CryptoPunk prints. And then we had like the, um, we were trying to figure out like, well, how do you do a physical art show for these digital things? And we were like, let's try to be kind of ambassador program. You know, we'll try to make it so that it kind of appeals to both sides. So we made these nice prints, but then we also like put like the private key in like this envelope that goes with it. That was kind of looked kind of like we, we had a CryptoPunk wax seal that like waxed it up and everything. So it was kind of like oh, old so tech cool. meets new tech. Yeah. And, uh, and then that went, it went well. Like we sold, we sold out um, those prints and everything. And in the back of our mind, I remember us saying like, it'd be cool to do like, you know, like a generative, sort of art project where like the entire thing just gets created on the blockchain like there, no, nothing external gets put in it's just the algorithm just makes the art but but we had sort of like kind of fooled around with the idea but i don't think we were ever going to really work on it but then this this curator was like that went great we're going to do another show in like six months or something you should put something in and it was like oh yeah i, I kind of want to do this again this is pretty fun <laughs> So it's like, we got to dust off that, that generative idea. And so, yeah, but, but then we put, you know, I think we made four prints using a plotter into that show and like one of them sold, you know, like it, it was like, yeah. all right, forget it, forget yeah. it. That's, that's the wrap up on uh, Larva Labs' art career, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of a pain too, like, like, like we were trying to make these physical prints and like pens were given out on us. Yeah, like, it would get like most of the way through and then the pen would stop doing yeah, it. And it's oh, like, wait, I realize I hate the physical world. <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like it's like, I want to get back guys. to computers. What are, we, what are we doing? You know, so I remember we were in such bad, we had such a bad attitude at the end of that. Yeah. We didn't even go to the show and, and we're just like, here, take these damn prints. And like, we're never doing this again. Like, like <laughs> what, why? and then we were just like, what, what are we doing with our careers? Like we're trying to be like, trying to make like abstract art. It's like, we got to get, you know, like, we got, we got to get do something that pays the bills. Like, <laughs> like yeah. got to get real over here. So yeah, it was so funny how that, that was like our peak negativity towards like our little like blockchain art career after we finished autoglyphs. Even though we liked autoglyphs, you know, we just thought like, like it's like this isn't you know realistic to kind of put time. It was this. really quiet then. You know, twenty nineteen. Yeah. It was like yeah yeah mm -hmm. there wasn't we thought you know maybe the art world would sort of pick it up because it sort of it solved a number of their problems that we weren't even aware of but then it was like oh this really seems to work for a lot of what 
you're talking about. Um, but then it was kind of like, no, like it just wasn't really happening, you know? Uh, so, and that's why we made so few out of this too, was like, we're like, we like, this isn't cool, but no, it, no, it's not going to go anywhere. Like, and there might be a few faithful who are into it. So we'll just make a very low mint count. Uh, I think like, like uh, also somewhere in that time when things were really quiet and the art world was kind of like, nah, like some people were into it. I don't, I don't want to say like everybody wasn't, but like in general, it wasn't really getting adopted over there. That's, I think when I converted from being like, I don't really know about this to being like, no, this is really cool. Like you're getting this wrong, you know? Um, yeah. There's something like um, like irreducible at the at the root of all this that is new and cool and interesting. Yeah. And uh, maybe it just, you don't understand it or maybe, or maybe you're getting distracted by the visuals. Like you don't like the way the punks look, you know, great, I get it, that's fine. But um, but there, you're missing a, something really interesting here, you know? So then, yeah, and then once again, we were sort of like, well, we've had these ideas in the background. We love voxel art. Um, and we had made some like voxel games and, uh, the metaverse was coming into the, uh, um, into the discourse at that time too. And yeah, we were big Minecraft fans. I was playing a lot of Minecraft during the pandemic. That was sort of my, my hobby, uh, to kill the time, you know, when there was nothing else to do. And, and, um, so yeah, it just all kind of pointed towards like, oh, it'd be cool to make these, you know, almost like CryptoPunks 3D, you know, but do it different. Like, don't just do, to call it that, but that kind of idea. And because it was going to be these full characters, it's like, it's got to kind of be a little bit about streetwear. Like they should be wearing cool clothes, like as opposed to just like, you know, the CryptoPunks, you just zoomed in on the face. It's like, now it's got to be about like what they're wearing and just, so yeah. And, but then I'm like, Right, I'm this like middle-aged white guy, like sitting in a little house upstate. It's like, I guess I'm hitting Instagram hashtag streetwear. Like I'm a little, I'm a little out of date, you know, like, and, uh, so like once again, yeah, we were just like, I was just like researching kind of looks and stuff and everything. And, and, um, but then there, yeah, there's like, uh, once again, a certain style that we kind of fell in, which is not necessarily maybe like straight up streetwear, but it's just, yeah, certain colored combinations and, and styles. And then there's certain things that kind of work in that very low low resolution sort of voxel thing that that we sort of settled on um uh and uh yeah and obviously yeah that, that at some point there yeah we we i think it was in in like early february we shut down everything else of course and just went back full time on this that was probably still too late but we we didn't want to leave we had a really good relationship with google and everything we wanted to finish what we were doing with them and yeah, we really, yeah. It was sort of a question, even just like, is this for real? Like, cause we're, you know, years into this now and like, is this for real, real? Like, are people really getting this now? But then it just kept getting crazier, you know, like it just kept, uh, you know. And yeah. it had been formalized at that point, right? I mean, ERC-721 existed as a standard based largely on your work with punks. Um, actually, like taking a bit of a step back, maybe just really quick. But oh, yeah. What did, did you, what was your relationship to that? If any, I mean, you guys basically, you know, put the blueprint out there. Yeah, um, we didn't directly work on 721, but yeah, there was some kind of CryptoPunks community members who basically were doing that. And um, and so, yeah, and you're right, it was kind of inspired by our contract, but just sort of tightening it up and generalizing it because we had we had like the word CryptoPunk in like some of mm -hmm. the function calls and everything. And yeah, we obviously used the 721 standard for autoglyphs yep. and um, obviously had that existed, it would have we probably wouldn't have done a marketplace for CryptoPunks, right? But because because sure. um, that was what allowed marketplaces to happen. Of course. So, um, oh, yeah, uh, I'd love yeah. to know a bit more about the, the Mebits Mint because this obviously was, you know, um, game-changing, I think. 
Um, yeah, just up. given the the demand that you know the next Larva Labs project was going to yeah. have. I mean, what was going through your guys' heads? I mean, that's like like the moment that sells out, it's like you know seventy million dollars. I mean, it's I like mean, it's yeah, like completely life changing. I imagine. I would describe it as the as we were like concussed. It's like it was stressful too, but I I was I was in complete shock. Not just about the amount, but just everything that had happened. Yeah, the amount of like sleepless nights leading up to everything. It was just like I don't know how to process. And once this. again, we yeah. did. It was just us, so we were doing you know, DevOps server maintenance, like the amount yeah. of people hitting the site was just unbelievable. Yeah. The stress levels are so intense that you just like, you can't think properly, you know, like you don't. So it was really just kind of like overwhelming in a way where you just like, I just want to get through this without blowing it, you know, was mm-hmm. sort of the the main feeling. Um, no, we, and really when it was relate. done, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. It can, was, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. It was still just a feeling of relief more than anything that's like, all right, it's done. It went well, except for one problem, which was we thought it was very important. I think you guys did this too, but almost no one else does it anymore, which like where you have to, you have to reveal what you're getting in real time. You know, like a lot of these projects now, they, the art reveal comes later, maybe even weeks later. Which sometimes is months. Yeah. Very odd. I mean, for fairness, sometimes we've done it. It's like the next day, but like, yeah, like the yeah. two month thing is, is pretty wild. It's and like, it is hard. It weird. is obviously hard to do it in real time without blowing it, which is what we did. We blew it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like. Um, we, we thought it was very important to reveal in real time. So we had it all set up, you know, we had kind of like, um, you know, randomly generated URLs and everything. So there was no way to systematically figure out what it is, but what was tricky was once again, we needed that hash for all the content in the contract. Mm -hmm. So to get that hash, I needed to like run IPFS on this data and I had all the you know, like the package of like all the models and everything, like everything that was going to be like the public information for MeBits. And I like, I kind of added it to IPS for like one second and then deleted it and got the hash, you know, I thought that, you know, after the sale was over, I was going to be uploading that to IPFS, but it was already there. And so someone found it and then they figured out what the mints were. And then they started to do that thing where they were minting and, and then failing on purpose and and continuously reminting. And they, they were able to use that to mint a visitor, which is, you know, the second rarest um, uh, MeBit type. And so that caused us to have to stop the mint. And what, what was fortunate was that only happened after the sale was done. So now the only thing that was left were people claiming their MeBits with using CryptoPunks and, um, and, and uh, Autoglyphs. So we basically had to take over that process manually. We had to just sort of do that. and. Um, so that's that was like yeah we, that's what we spent the next couple of days doing was just going through and minting everyone their me bits and it was just like oh so close to like everything kind of going smoothly and then that one thing you know and and yeah so I, I have to say thank you guys for you know kind of like messing up twice <laughs> yeah, so that yeah. we didn't do this yeah, exactly like, right yeah yeah we're like we're like the cautionary tale absolutely all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mistakes, yeah. Like. i can remember yeah. though when that was like uh oh there's a problem like you know oh, which God. is like you know yeah. and I, you have it in your in your heart in your soul what that feels like on the blockchain and then we're like the problem is that this you know the data's been leaked and this guy got a visitor and i'm like I think we can deal with that. Like I was like ready for like, like there's so many possible yeah. things that are, you know, and there's yeah. a permanence to this that is yeah, that unlike happened, anything else. So. That happened overnight. So I woke up to just like 
incredible amount of messages and that, yeah, like, you know, some kind of crypto people that we know and trust from way back in 2017 were like hitting me up and I'm like, this is it. This is where we find out the contract has got some huge problem and the whole, you know, but it's like, okay. It's happened. There's been people that have like done mints and then like yep. all the money is locked away for some reason. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, or something like that. Right. So when I, yeah, you're right. Even though it sucked that this IPFS problem, it's like, all right. I'll take it, you know, like that's still just, and it's, it's just whatever it is, it's transient, right? Mm-hmm. Like once everyone's got their mints, it's over. It doesn't affect anything. Yeah. So I'd love to talk uh, a bit about um, the events that led to the acquisition. But before then, I'm just kind of curious, when did you guys become aware of us? You know, hey, you know what it was? I, my recollection was we, because we um, were so heads down on Mebits, we didn't know about you until we launched Mebits. And then everyone's like, this is going to go toe to toe with Board Ape Yacht Club, and I'm like, what? Is, what is that? <laughs> I had never heard of it. And then I then I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, because oh. and, and we always kept saying we're like, where is everybody? You know, like like this is like other than hash mass, like this is cool and it's going great. I'm kind of surprised there isn't more people taking a shot at this, you know. And then that was the first one where I'm like, oh yeah, like these guys got it, you know, like they're like they're they're onto this and doing a good job and. um but yeah, but only after we had launched, yeah, only like right when we launched Mebits in, in the Discord, people were like, oh man, because you guys, like, I don't remember the Just exact, before we just came before, out. Right? Yeah, like what was the so, date? Do you remember the date that Mebits dropped? Because like for May, us, it was May 1st was like when we sold out. Okay, like, yeah. So okay. it was like, like third or fourth or something was Mebits. Yeah, so that, okay. yeah. So we were like so heads down at that time that we had no idea. But then, yeah, as soon as we came out, I heard it, people talking about. And then there was this up. like spirit of, of like rivalry that was occurring, which we had right. nothing to do with, by the way. We yeah, were like, we were actually, yeah. we were like having calls being like, this is bad. Like, we don't want to like, we don't want to like have our, you know, communities warring or anything like that. Let's yeah. Like, we were trying to discourage it quietly as, as much as we could. And then, uh, of, and then course, of course, Mike, like, yeah, people <laughs> comes out and just like fuel to the fire. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Did that well, from your side of things, like when you were deciding to do, to do that, did, did it feel to you like there was a vacuum there that it was like, you, if we can do this project in, right now, this is like the right time to do it? Was there a time pressure that you felt? or We just wanted to get it out as soon as possible. We were honestly, we were worried that the wave was coming to an end. I mean, yeah. during, when we released BAYC and, you know, um, the NFT market was in a bear. I mean, it, like projects for the first time since we had paid attention, when since we'd really started paying attention uh, closely at, uh, upon hash masks, you know, projects weren't selling out anymore. Like, oh, from our perspective as a new And anything space, that did was just gone in a, in a moment or you'd find out something weird about the project yeah. that like everybody was Wasn't there a bunch of articles like in June of that year being like, NFTs are dead. We, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like that's right. literally yeah. at the start yeah. of like, yeah, know, there was, actually little, was so we were just run. We were just trying to move because we had, you know, put everything we had into this. Um, yeah. And we thought we had, you know, discovered this like great new model. There was like, oh, it's a club. Like you can yeah. use this to cryptographically mm-hmm. verify somebody. You can build out utility. You can have this like interesting roadmap that like uh and then there was the ip piece of the puzzle that we had seen uh avastars do and stuff like that and we're like oh man we can combine all Mm -hmm. these great elements you know we can learn the lessons that from you guys and from avastars and from all these other projects and um amalgamate them all um but but you know at first it was much like the initial crypto punks man it was just like no one gave a shit and and then it wasn't until the reveal and people saw the art and they fell in love with Mm -hmm. the apes that was like this huge turning point. And I th- there was a lot of other factors, I think, that went into that. And mm-hmm. we did our we did our best to market, not knowing anybody in the space. But yeah. um, but obviously we looked up to you guys tremendously. I mean, you know, and I think that's obvious. It's reflected even in the art itself, where it's just like we wanted to in a lot of ways there's 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 subtle homages and some direct homages to your collection. Yeah. And that and that's yeah. And 
you guys seem to be the first to pick up on that as kind of like this is the culture of the space a little yeah. bit, you know, and and now that's been cemented, you know, all the more, you know, it's like, yeah, like beanies and 3D glasses and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah. like that means something in the yeah. space. Yeah. So to to kind of cap things off here, walk me through the last three months before the acquisition and the things that were going on and within the community and kind of what led to you. Um, you know, we, we got introduced to you through, through Gaio Searing. I think we should yeah. talk about that a little bit mm -hmm. in our, our initial conversations and, and what our perspective was in the acquisition. And, and then, um, and once that, I think I'd love to just hear about what you guys have been working on since. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we knew Guy a little bit just from him contacting us early, like, you know, 21, I can't remember exactly when. Yeah. But, Jan uh, or Feb or something. Yeah. When all this, when suddenly everybody was contacting us and we were like, why does everyone want to talk to us? And then like, oh, cause this stuff is getting legit crazy. Um, <laughs> and just stayed in touch with them and, you know, no particular, you know, agenda or anything on either side. I don't think, uh, he just kind of a good person to stay in touch with. And, uh, and just over that time, I think uh, checking in with us, he was starting to realize that we were feeling like more and more out of sorts with everything, you know, that he was like, sort of picking up on like, we're not sure like if we're suited to this, like we're, you know, this has become something that we don't know how to operate properly anymore, you know, and we're not sure, like we're not yeah. sure about our decisions and we don't feel, you know, like we're maybe even the best people to know what to do in a given situation. Like it had changed so much. Um so rapidly it feels like a long time i don't know if it's the same for you but it feels like five years but it, you know that was yeah. six months kind of like thing 20 years yeah mm -hmm. it's, yeah it's really crazy so when yeah. i think of something like oh like way back then and yeah. like, that was like eight months ago um so it was really changing rapidly over those months you yeah know? and we did feel like fish out of water you know we had built the stuff and we were proud of it and everything but now the role was a role we weren't suited to you know like community management and marketing and yeah it just wasn't well, I felt, yeah. I felt that there was like an, um, you guys got like, there was a bit unfair to you guys in a lot of ways because the BAYC model was very upfront about what it was. Mm -hmm. That was not the CryptoPunks model. That was yeah. the MeBits model yeah. right, for, for future utility and roadmaps. And I remember seeing you guys catch a lot of like flack and hate being like, oh, like where's the, where's the, the MeBits world? Like where's the MeBits utility? Where's this? And it's like, well, that was never... What, yeah what what the value proposition was that was never what state you never stated anywhere that you would ever build anything like that yeah we we definitely felt that we uh that we were out of our element it's like yeah what did we create <laughs> you know like, yeah, and it felt like, like a you know like deep connection to this stuff felt it was really interesting and 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 felt a responsibility to do the right thing and but we weren't sure ever what the right thing was anymore you know and we're being told conflicting things and like yeah you just end up feeling like a little bit lost and bad that you're not doing the right thing, but not even clear how to rectify, you know? Yeah. So, and we're experimentalists, we're individual contributors, we're not managers, we're not company builders. Like it's not our personality, you know? And, uh, so that's where our, that's where we were, you know, when guy kind of, yeah, yeah came to us and, and could, and yeah, he could tell, you know, that, that we were, it's like, you guys doing okay, you know? <laughs> and it's like, no. Yeah. I'm curious, what do you guys think about the metaverse? I mean, this is the meta, the fucking metaverse podcast yeah. and we, we haven't really talked about that. And if we could just touch on it a little bit, <laughs> I, it would soothe myself yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, and there's no doubt, like we were, yeah, once again, kind of we were on our way to the fucking metaverse podcast, we started talking about our, like our Minecraft experiences. And we were saying like, we had like a server that we played in with, um, uh, yeah, my nieces and nephew and your daughter. And, and, you know, for years that was like, we'd be all in there building stuff and doing stuff. And 
And now like that's like nostalgic for the, you know, those kids are all teenagers now and it's like nostalgic for them. And it's not nostalgic like a game they used to play. It's nostalgic like a place they used to spend time in, you know, and they know where things are still. And, you know, we still have like that world saving this. Like, oh, I want to go back there and go here and go there. And and just even watching the way they played in there, it's like they're they're hanging out, you know, like the game needs to be there. That's part of it. But what they're really doing is hanging out in this metaverse. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a version of that. And, uh, and so, yeah, it seems pretty, you know, kind of obvious that that is just going to grow and, and what the kids are doing will eventually be what everyone's doing and that people will just be spending time in these kind of metaverse type environments. And it'll be mostly about spending time with each other, you know, it'll be mostly about social, but it, but it's not going to be like, uh, here, have a virtual uh, glass of beer with me. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, it's yep. not going to be like just some, you know, kind of direct like, uh, oh, it's just like hanging out in real life, you know, simulated having a drink with someone. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's going to be around kind of like gaming and gaming like things. Yep. And, um, yeah, and we agree. yeah, and people building stuff in there and creating experiences for each other, you know, and so that all this seems seems obvious you know and then of course yeah it'll matter uh you know people will own things there and build things and buy things you know that's obviously going to happen as well so obviously it's that thing where it's like who knows exactly how but um i, I don't think there's any doubt that that will become uh a reality I love, and, yeah i love that you describe it as like them visiting a place yeah you know rather than you know, smelly stink just an experience and, and, <laughs> that's no. the name of the world what's it the, called the world was called smelly stink it's smelly. called smelly stink <laughs> i love that um <laughs> so yeah we kind of think the same thing i mean it's like the 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 whatever degree to which we can increase the ownership proposition of these worlds and the items within it we think is really important because something that i think about a lot is like what if that world just disappeared you know it's mm-hmm. like you can never go back there and it's and so that is like at the core of the things that we're, we're trying to think through as we build out other side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that Minecraft world we're talking about, we have a copy of that and we can run it. Like right. we have that. And so we can bring it back to life whenever we want. But yeah. if it was like a Fortnite server and they just were like, we're done with Fortnite, it's over. You know, mm-hmm. we can't go back to that yeah. place anymore. You're right. So. And without community ownership, that's always going to happen. You know, just like how Ethereum is like, is Ethereum going to disappear tomorrow? No, because there's millions of people with billions of value right. driving it forward. And so, like a metaverse thing should be like that as well, where it's like, well, everyone's got a stake, so it will always be driven forward. It feels like that's just a more likely way for it to get figured out too, um, that there'd be lots of people all sort of connected by incentives or, you know, technical structures, standards, whatever it is. And that weird thing that I would have never thought to do that actually is pretty fun, you know, and it's turning into more than just a little game. It's kind of like the BAYC bathroom wall uh, to start, you know, it's like, oh, we imagined that like people would draw like really high flute and art. And it's like, nope, first thing drawn was a dick. Yeah, it's like, so anytime, anytime someone's going to try and like centralize control in the metaverse and tell you what to do, it's someone's just going to fucking vampire attack it and draw dicks. Yeah, it's just going to be its own thing. That's sort of what we were talking about earlier at the beginning was like dumb, fun things, you know, like that's what we always wanted to make because those are how those are how the big things start really you know and yeah. they don't look like big things and then just retroactively we're like oh you know this incredible thing that has changed the world but it was just fun at the start you know it's yeah tricky. i mean we had one of the biggest seed round valuations ever but it was nine months in and if you if we'd actually done it right at the start we'd be like look it's monkeys on the internet yeah. it's right, a club right? yeah. like it's just yep. like yeah it's a trade-off for sure <laughs> yeah even yeah. we came like you know a, a little later in CryptoPunks, like realizing what actually was cool about it and it was partly people telling us 
that it was dumb. And we're like, yeah, I know, but like dumb and it's good. You know, like, there's, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's something yeah. that you can't deny that it is working here, you know, if you think about it. So there's a, that's the kind of thing that we have, a, I think, uh, are, gets us interested in something. And like yeah. uh, anytime anybody, like a lot of people are doing something and you don't get it, like that's something you should check out, you know, like whether or not it makes sense to you or it looks like it's like it's something easy yeah. to dismiss. Like there's usually something cool happening there. That's yeah. something that like I hope, you know, changes a little bit in the space. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but like just everyone taking it, everything so seriously. And it's like, you know, this is this is an avenue for creation and experimentation and fun. And it's just like, let's all just like make the weirdest things we can think of. I, I think that's where the magic of decoupling things from the financial yeah. a little bit is important. You know, I mean, that's part of the reason I'm sure like, you know, we talked about like punks was able to succeed. Um yeah, it went know. through that wilderness of kind of not mattering for right. a while and everything. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, you know, you're you're right. Like it's like it's kind of like don't let it seize up too early. Of every, you know, everything's precious. Everything's got to be done the right way. It's like let it be. Yeah, weird and experimental, and just have fun. That was the know? thing that attracted us to Web three, right? I mean, because yeah. we weren't we're, we're like you guys. We were just you know weirdo creatives. <laughs> not yeah. to say that you're weird, but like you know, you we're, just, we're just yeah. creatives. <laughs> and um, the you know, we, we got into the space as traders and investors casually in crypto, but, but not super seriously. And, um, it was really like thinking about how fun web one was. And we grew yeah. up in web one and as you guys did, and we, you know, grew up playing early MMORPGs and things like that, where like the internet was just wild and weird. Yeah. And like, Oh, it was just like, I was creating websites on GeoCities and I was hanging out in IRC mm -hmm. chat. And I was like, yeah. you know, like weird, it's just like a strange place. And it felt, um, I don't know. And then and Web2 you, came around and just kind of just destroyed it. It was just like the internet was like, mm -hmm. it was like really, it's like Facebook that kind of destroyed everything, right? Because like MySpace was still kind of Web1 in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it was, it was. like, oh, yeah, you, it was could wacky. Like, you could like yeah. use HTML yeah. and create your own thing. And it was just like weird. And, it was like, oh, band, could, like, yeah. and I would like change my song to like impress whatever girl I was trying to pick up at like that week or whatever. Mm -hmm. you know? Or it was yeah. like, uh, I don't know. And then Facebook just like formalized it in such yeah. a way and it became so big and so addictive. And then social media just like, became all about the algorithm and it was just like fucking yeah. ugh. and then web three comes around and it's like the possibility and you guys are like honestly at the the very forefront of that i thought it's like you guys are pioneered the idea that like no this can be decentralized and weird and fun and it opened the door for everything else it certainly opened the door for us great yeah and uh, you're absolutely right like and when it's gone it's gone kind of forever right like like we were also of course early on web and doing stuff and then it yeah it became very corporate very big big money and everything and you know, gatekeepers. And then we jumped on mobile, even web two is, you know, when we came to web three, just looking for a solution to this collectible problem, we were just like, oh, wait. And then when we had that response, like, we're back to something where just a couple guys can can do something, you know, mm -hmm. we can actually like, we can, you know, people can notice and care, you know, and it's like, that's precious, you know, because once you lose that, it's gone, you know, and uh, so that, yeah, and it still feels like that in, in web three, it still feels like it's that frontier where, individuals can make cool stuff people can take notice of it there's not many other places in the tech world right now where that that exists and you know well guys I, you know i just want to thank you so much for flying down and joining us on the fucking metaverse it's been an absolute honor and privilege to to hear your story and talk to you guys um yeah. i know that the both communities the entire ecosystem is just going to be so excited to hear this um thanks for having yeah. us yeah thanks so much it's, it's great yeah, to thanks. hang out with you guys yeah yeah, yeah we just enjoyed it
won't tune out just yet. Producer Fallon here to remind you that this, this is Web3. Do your own research and make your own decisions. This podcast is not legal, financial, tax, or accounting advice, or an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy any financial product, currency, or security. The views expressed are opinions of the individual participants and are not any type of guarantee, representation, or warranty of any kind. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Or whenever we feel like it. Welcome to the fucking metaverse. 